Hey, BT here. Are you looking for ways to boost sales in your business? If so, you're in luck. For the next five Tuesdays, David will be bringing to the podcast feed a recent training he did, which we're calling the Inner Game of Sales series. Be sure to listen in over these next five weeks to learn the tips and tricks necessary to boosting your income in a short period of time. David knows sales, and he's here to make selling easier, more profitable, and a hell of a lot more fun. Let's go. Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. So, where we left off, the most amazing thing is that a a person is programmed to answer your question. They're programmed to answer your question. You have to ask yourself, when you do sales, how often, and you may even want to record one of your sales calls or record a couple of them to actually witness yourself do this. How much time are you spell, do you spend telling a person something? And very often when I interact with an individual that I'm teaching how to do sales like this, they'll say to me, but David, when do you tell them all about the features and the benefits and the price and all of that? I'm not, not until they say yes. Not until they say yes. See, they're not buying the features and the benefits that you think that they're buying. So I want you to write this down. Let's talk about something here. The prospect has a perceived value in their mind. It's a perception of value. It's not your perception. It's not your neighbor's perception. It's not somebody that works with you's perception. It's not the person that's creating your marketing or advertising or your social media. It's your potential client's perception. When you have a sales conversation, one of the things that you're finding out in that conversation by asking questions is what is the value of your product or service to that person? Now, you're not coming out and asking it that way. I'm going to show you how to do the questions here in just a minute. But there's two very important points to this. One, you need to know what it is. But even more important, they need to know what it is. So what did we say before the break? What do you want? I'm going to ask you another question. Is it possible to really know the value of something for yourself without knowing what you want? No. It's not. It's not. And I would write that down. It's not possible for me to really know the value of something for me until I know what I want first. Because if you want something, you really want it. There's a reason why you want it. You have a why behind that want. That want, whatever the why is behind that want, can be held up in contrast 
to what happens if you don't get it. And it's the difference between those two points that creates the perceived value. But if I'm coming from a place of this is just what I need, that's when you end up with problems of the value only being what can be written down on paper. You see? Because here's a, here's a very important truth. Whenever you tell somebody what the price is for what you have to offer, you cause another psychological reaction in every person. Doesn't matter who it is. This is what it is. They immediately compare that price to something. Write that down. They immediately, whenever I say what the price is, they immediately compare it to something else in their mind. So here's the problem for you. You don't know what they're comparing it to, but you have to find out. Because let's say you have a bigger ticket item that they don't typically purchase things that are a bigger ticket item. What would they be comparing it to in their mind? Probably something that does not have the same kind of value. You see, when you start to get up, if, if, if for those of you that have prices that are in the area of what, say, an automobile would be for an average person or a house would be for an average person, the only thing that the average person can compare those prices to would be a house or an automobile. If you're offering them something that could literally change their life and it's that price, their subconscious reaction in comparison goes to the house or the automobile and the value is automatically linked and they don't see the value in spending that much money with you. It costs between six and seven figures to coach with me privately. If a person has never spent that money on themselves before outside of, say, a house or a car, as soon as I say what the price is, Immediately, subconsciously, automatically, psychologically, their mind compares it to the only thing that they have any connection or experience to. If I'm saying my company can show you how to build a multi-million dollar business and it's going to cost you multiple seven figures working with us to do that. And they've never spent that before. It doesn't matter that I said that their company could earn multiple seven figures. It doesn't matter that I said that. They don't have any experience with that. Their mind goes all the way to what do I have experience with spending that much money? A house, a car, maybe a college education. Very, very few people have experience beyond those things when you're talking bigger numbers. And actually, I think that's the easy part because they don't have too many experiences. You could help create an experience for them relatively easy. When your prices are lower, they have a myriad of experiences and none of them are probably have anything to do with the value of what it is that you're offering to this person. Because most of the things that people buy in their life are based on what they need, not what they want. So there's no way for you to understand what the true value is until you understand what they want. So let's talk about the very first question that we ask somebody. In a sales conversation, the question is, what do you want? What do you want? Now, something else about sales conversations. Don't rush them. Don't be in a rush. Don't be in a rush. You want to take your time with somebody. 
if a person seems hurried or very short of time or they see very distracted when they show up for the appointment that you have with them for sales, reschedule the appointment. You need their full attention. If you don't have their full attention, there's no way you're ever going to get this conversation the way that it needs to be to help influence them. So just say, you know something? I really need your full attention for this conversation. Would you mind if we please reschedule? When you do get them on the phone or however you're going to show up, remind them of how you came to the appointment in the first place. So let's say I was scheduled to talk to one of you at 3 o'clock on Wednesday. And you scheduled the appointment with me today. I would say, hey, you know, the reason that we're here is because yesterday on that Zoom meeting, we scheduled an appointment to talk at 3 o'clock today. And we were going to talk about sales. So I really wanted to start this conversation off by asking you, what do you want? Now, when you ask what you want, you have to be very conscious of tone. Tone, the tone of your voice. You have to be thinking not just about what you're asking, but how you're asking the question. Why is this important? Human beings learn responsively, tonally, before they do linguistically. We respond to tone first. We learn to respond to tone first because we don't, we're not born understanding words. So we understand kind, loving, warm, affectionate tones coming from our mother and father. We also understand ones where they're frustrated, they're angry, or they're scared. We understand these things very well. A little baby experiences these things probably a couple of million times before they understand one word at all. And you know, when you were a kid, if your, one of your parents came into the room and they had a tone that there was something going on, you knew not to ask them for something when they had that tone of voice. You knew when they were serious, when they were pissed. You know with your own partners in your life when something's wrong, just by the look on their face, let alone the tone. But we don't think about tone all that much unless somebody's screaming at us or something. But understand this, tone is everything because tone opens the psychology, the word gives the directive or the sentence gives the directive. The directive is, in the form of a question, what do you want? The tone is serious but permissive. Tell me what it is that you really want. I'm serious, I'm passionate, and I'm giving you permission tonally to answer that question. So I unlock two centers of your mind psychologically when I do that, tonally and linguistically. And I am giving you a suggestion based on a question. So what I'm doing is I'm planting a suggestion in your subconscious mind in the form of a question. What do you really want? Think about it. What do you really want? 
And automatically, your mind starts thinking about what you want. You know what the really interesting thing about this is? Is that when a person, if I was to ask you that question, you don't feel like somebody's doing something to you. You're like, huh. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. Let me think about that. But you start thinking. If somebody, if I immediately was to get on the phone with you and say, listen, I'm going to tell you all about our coaching program, and I'm going to tell you what it's going to do for you, and then we're going to discuss the price, and we're going to see if this thing is right for you. Like, as soon as I start giving you a, 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 a brash of directives, our psychological response is to go, whoa, whoa. Easy there, dude. You want to back up from it. You resist a little bit. You defend. You're like, okay, I need to psychologically prepare for this. This guy's coming at me type thing. It's all about how the mind is psychologically prepped to either receive a message or defend against it. If I'm asking questions, you're not defending against it. So we're working with each other. People talk about, well, you have to create a rapport. I don't believe that that's 100% necessary because people will follow a directive if it's presented the right way. The fact that the person is listening to you or having a conversation with you, that says a million things right there. The question would be why? How did they hear about you? Why are they having the conversation with you? If they're engaging in this conversation, they're volunteering. They could easily hang up. So they're participating in what it is that you have to offer. What do you want? Pay attention to your tone. Okay? Now, the next question, why do you think you're not getting it? In other words, why do you think you're not getting the thing that you want? Now, let me just say this before we go any further. I'm giving you the basic question. You may have to change it a little bit based on what you do. Because based on what you do, the question might sound weird. Right? This second question, why do you think you're not getting it, is a response to the first question and their answer. Okay, so I'm telling you, this is the second question. Now, so here's the deal. You want to find out from this individual why they think that they're not getting the thing that they want. You're not there to correct them. You're not there to tell them they're wrong. What you're looking for is how do they view their participation as far as their own responsibility goes with the things that they want in their life. It doesn't mean you will or won't work with the person. It doesn't mean you will or you won't sell the person. But it gives you some perspective on how they view the world. If a person says to me, David, you know, all I know is that I'm not getting this because my team member did this and somebody left me and... When I was a kid, this happened to me. What do I know about this person? The person views themselves at least somewhat as a victim in the world. Why is that important to know? Because they don't see themselves as having the power to change their situation. Conversely, if a person says to me, I'm not sure, but I know it's me. 
I, I know that it's something that I'm doing or not knowing or whatever. It's like, okay, I get that. That's cool. They don't know what it is. And they understand that it, it starts and stops with them. They're responsible for their own life. They're responsible for their own results. It gives you a little bit of a bearing on the person that you're dealing with. This, for those of you that are asking that are thinking to yourself, does this question have to be in every sales conversation? No, it does not. This second question does not have to be there. I think it's a benefit to ask the question because it really tells you the kind of person that you're dealing with. But does it have to be there? No. No. In the best case scenario, if the person realizes that they don't know, at least they're admitting that they don't know. But it's really the next question that determines the reason why anybody buys anything, which is urgency, that makes all the difference. The next question is, what happens if you don't do it, or you don't buy it, or you don't change it? What if you don't change? What if you don't buy? Now, let's go back to the beginning. What do you want? When you ask this question, your job after you ask the question is to shut up. I mean zero noise. Everything that comes out of your mouth, every noise you make, every sound that comes over your phone causes an automatic unconscious reaction in the mind of the person that's listening to you. So I will hear people, they will, they will make noises of agreement, I call them. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, I hear what you're saying, uh-huh, yeah. It's extremely distractive when a person is thinking. You don't need to do it. It causes them to get out of the flow of their own thought. Mm-hmm, uh-huh, nervous tapping, clicking of some kind, like it's... Zero noise. You say nothing. What do you want? Zip. It's one of the hardest skills to learn, but it's one of the most powerful because the person has to sit with their own question. There's nothing to break that concentration. It's almost like they can't break the command in their mind that they have to answer it. So they just sit there. If they're having trouble, they're actually waiting for you to disrupt that pattern. Don't disrupt it. I don't care if you sit there for 10 minutes in dead silence. Do not disrupt the pattern. Let them stay with it. Because when you ask a question, the mind is going to work. When I ask you a question, your mind begins to work on its own. Now, what's happening in this, in this place psychologically for a person well, first of all, they have a directive from you, so the brain is attempting to answer the question. But maybe they have a psychological block. Maybe they have not really thought about what they want. Maybe they're afraid to say what they want. Maybe they have been backstabbed or betrayed or somebody has broken their trust by telling them something that's intimate. You know, telling somebody what you want is intimate. So maybe it's a little bit difficult for them to get there. But if you sit with them in this space, they'll get there. 
And the idea is this. The answer that you're looking for to this question is an emotional answer. So you're going to hear a tonal change in the prospect's response when they tell you what they want. There's going to be a tonal change. There might be tears. There might be excitement. There might be fear. There might be rapid talking. You're going to know that you've tapped into something. I mean, you know what it's like to listen to somebody that's telling you what they really want versus just giving you a line of something that they need or that they're not serious about. They're in it energetically. They're in it emotionally in that moment. The whole idea is that you don't go to any of these other questions until you get to the place where they're actually communicating what they want. I don't care how long you have to sit there with the person because the rest of the sales conversation makes no sense if you're not getting to what they want. But I also see and understand that if a person isn't experienced with this, they have this tendency to just try to get through the sales conversation. Let me just try to get through this. But you're not doing any good when you do that. Because if I don't tell you what I really want, you're never going to have the leverage to close the sale. Think about this. If you say, David, what do you want? And I don't tell you the truth. Not because I'm lying, but because maybe I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. When I started thinking about your product or service, I wasn't thinking about what I really wanted. I was thinking about something else. Like that might be cool, or maybe I'll try that, or that might be fun. Maybe that'll solve my problem. But I don't know what I really want. So then when it gets to the point where you say to yourself, well, why do you think you're not getting it? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't tried enough of those. I'm not so sure if they work. I don't know. So they're clueless on the second question. What happens if you don't buy it? Nothing. I'll find somebody else. I'll, I'll do, there's, there, you're not going in deep into a conversation to get to the, psyche, the, the psychological and the emotional reasons why anybody buys anything. So to just try to get through the conversation is no good. You've got to stay in that first question as long as it takes to get to the place where you really understand what they want. The other thing is that if I tell you, think about this. You need to put yourself in this position, right? If somebody's telling you what they really want, and then one of the next questions that they become very aware of is that if they don't get the thing that they want, there's actually a major consequence in their life regarding it. Now, it's gonna, that consequence will be different with every person and every major want. But understand this, there's a consequence to it, whatever it might be. If I tell you what I really want, and then I understand that that consequence is painful, like I don't want to experience that consequence of whatever it is, it becomes very, very difficult for me to tell you no after I just told you, this is what I want, here's what I don't want to happen, 
In other words, this is why it's important for me to buy or to change or whatever it is that's being presented to me in order to be able to move forward. The mind does not like to be out of integrity with itself. That may seem weird if you don't have a lot of experience with it, but it's 100% true. It does not like to be out of integrity with itself. It's very difficult for a person to say, yes, I want this. No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to experience this. There's a need, a desire. You have the ability to provide what they want and then for them to tell you no. <clears throat> the only time that no happens, which, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, is when there's a value conflict coming in their life that you, didn't, you weren't aware of. But that's actually easy to handle. That's not really that difficult to handle. But it can happen. It can happen. You know, you'll get that sometimes when somebody says, man, I really want to do this, uh, but my spouse is not on board with it. That's a value conflict that is superseding, at least in their mind, at that moment, what they want. Now, everybody can have those, but if you don't have the conversation correctly, you never get to that place. You never find out what that is. So you have to be calm, take your time, understand this is not about you telling them all different kinds of things, and it's about you maintaining control of the conversation. So let's talk about that for a minute. When you start this call, I said the first thing that you should do is to remind them of why you're on the call in the first place and how you came about having this call. Why is this? Because even if it is a calendared call, in other words, it's not a cold call, it's a calendared call, you have no idea what this, was per this person was doing prior to them getting on the phone with you or getting on Zoom or something like that with you. You don't know. You don't know. So you don't know where their head is. You don't know what their emotional state is. It's always something that probably has nothing to do with you, okay? It's very important to know this because if you understand that, you understand the reason of why you're reminding them about the call in the first place. The reminder of how you came about the agreement for this call takes them back to what? The place where they made the decision to be on the call with you to begin with and the reason why they made that decision. So you bring their, psycholo their psychology right back. Their emotions are right back where they were when they made the decision to talk to you. If they just had a fight with their spouse or their kid just got in trouble, or they just found out that they got bad news, or somebody's sick, or the dog ran away, or they stubbed their toe, they're not thinking about why they're getting on the phone with you. Actually, they're probably just being kind because there's something else that's important that's going on in their life, and they're not taking into consideration how important the call you're having with them might be. So you need to bring them back to that place. If they're driving a car, if there's kids yelling in the background, if they're walking down the street, if they're running in for a meeting, reschedule the call. Reschedule the call. If they have a lot of distractions going on, how can they really sit and think about what it is that they really want with all that crap going on in the background? 
They can't. They're going to be distracted. And you probably won't make the sale anyway. It'll probably be like, yeah, you know, I got a lot going on right now. Let me think about this and get back to you, and then you never hear from him again. That's the way those things usually go. It also says something. I wouldn't judge it too much, but pay attention to it. The fact that they're not putting themselves in a situation to have your full attention and give you their full attention on that call. It's a little bit of a red flag for me. Because I'm asking how serious do they take this call? So reschedule it. Now, when you, when you do that with them, it tells you something right away if they follow your directive. It tells you that, number one, they can follow your directive, and it puts you in control of the call. You cannot sell someone if you're not in control. You might want to write that down. Because what will end up happening is that they will start interviewing you or selling you or setting you up for a negotiating sequence or situation, and you're not actually selling them. I refuse to get into one of those conversations with someone. If I'm going to sell, I'm going to be in control of the conversation or I'm not having the conversation. And it's especially important for what I do because I have to know that a person's coachable. Most of you need to know that a person is coachable, that they can follow a directive. It doesn't matter if you're not a coach. If you're an attorney, if you're selling automobiles, like a person has to be able to listen and take directive for what it is that that you're actually offering them. It's very important. So you want to make sure that you're in control of that conversation. If somebody says to you, can you, can you just tell me, like, what's the benefits and how much is this going to cost? I say, no. I don't even know if I want to work with you yet. Why would I tell you that? I would, that's exactly what I would say to them. I'm going to let them know that I'm in control and the conversation is going to go the way that I say the conversation is going to go. I'm not having the conversation. This is a sales conversation. It's not a casual conversation at a bar. You have to say to yourself, I'm important. What I sell is important. What I'm offering is important. You're important enough to sit and listen to the questions that I have to ask you to help you change your life with this product or service. You should feel deep in your soul that your product or your service changes somebody's life, that it makes it better in some way and that you're passionate about that. Because if you're not, you will not stick with these conversations the way that they need to happen in order to be a benefit to yourself or anybody else. Hey, BT again. Thanks for listening to this episode in David's Inner Game of Sales series. Let's keep the conversation going in our Transformation Facebook group. Tell us what's working, what you're struggling with, maybe how your sales have improved by using the simple techniques David is providing. You can find the link to the Transformation Facebook group in the show notes below. And until next week, go make some sales.
Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.